Cue fake podcast music. Da, 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 da. Da, da. Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan. Murder, mysteries, histories, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. All right, Jen. You said you got a little short one? I do. I that's what I want to do my I said in the last podcast I talk, we did a Yelp review of Hell Michigan mm-hmm. and I talked about how my cousin Brandy had sent me one and I couldn't find it. Well, I found it and I want to read it to you. Okay, do it. This is a Yelp review of a beef carver. Have you ever been to a beef carver? No, what is it? I haven't been to a beef carver restaurant in like 30 years, no joke. But it's almost like cafeteria restaurant style where you have a tray and the person serves you the foods that you ask for. And it just reminds me of like old... Like old country buffet or... Um, No, it would be more like colonial stuff. Beef carver is supposed to be like colonial. Okay. A lot of wood is in the restaurant, like a lot of wood. All right. So let me read this to you. This is from LP. It's five stars. I did reduce a little bit of it for time because it goes on. But here's Al's review. If you want a classic I'm from Michigan and proud experience, this would be the place for you to visit for a good protein run. I love the beef carver, bro. The sign is a true Michigan classic. I feel uh, in love with this place. Oh, I, you know, I think he meant to say fell, but he wrote feel. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with this place after the parental units brought me here, after I wouldn't stop yapping about how awesome my fourth grade field trip to Greenfield Village was, and I wanted a god to be a goddamn colonial. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping inside this place was like going back in time to a nicer place where men were men, employees went all out, and beef was drowning in a sea of beef juices. Which, by the way, the Christ Lord intended. Hell yeah, I'm writing this review like my grandparents would because, damn it, you'll definitely see a lot of grandparents here. Why? Because they consistently serve good quality foods uh, with great prices and service. I love the colonial decor. It makes me feel like I'm an American revolutionary patriot about to celebrate independence from England and and boring fast food. Wow. I know, right? Another thing that brings me back is the food line. It reminds me of waiting in line at the cafeteria during a lunch at high school, minus the big bone goth couple necking in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> or the obnoxious kid that insists on bogarting all the ranch dressing for himself. Or those silly white boys tossing up gang signs at each other like we're, they were zoo trainers about to discover the secret. <laughs> <laughs> the secret of life from the gross of Harabi. <laughs> He wrote, I went to uh, Westland, John Glenn. Oh, yeah, this is a... (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say, this is from the Dearborn um, Beef Carver specifically. Okay. Okay, the service is great and the place is clean. Cool atmosphere. Not like Instagram this place ASAP cool, but more like hardworking Americans like myself and Hank Hill from King of the Hill would like to... would (laughs) Would look around and be like, cool, this place is all right. Food. I love the food, especially the roast beef. It's always juicy. The gravy really isn't as thick as I'm used to, more like a au jus. It's super tasty. That plus the mashed potatoes is always a hit one-two combo. And they have salads <laughs> where you can get uh, toppings put on. The coleslaw is all right. My parents wouldn't let me grab this because they were certain I'd make a mess and fuck up the salad bar because I'm clumsy. <laughs> Probably right. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I've noticed was that the more I come here, the less salty the meat tends to be. Maybe it's because I'm a smoker and the cigs have started to tap out my taste buds. Who knows? Who cares? They have salt and pepper shakers. Easy fix. All that matters is that the service, the price, and the juiciness of the meat. My homeboy, Bobby D, knock up in the hussies and flee. <laughs> Which is his friend's nickname. Knock up 
Aussie simply uh, says that they have salad pies here. I've never had them though. We've always gone to Sanders for ice cream puff Sundays after here. He says they are good. Maybe next time I'll try it. Yeah, man. Sign of the beef carver. Solid place to have a good family dinner. Probably wouldn't recommend it for a first date, but a solid place to bring a pal that you have in the friend zone or a parent's oh. birthday. <laughs> the, uh... And it's in Dearborn? <laughs> yes. Well, there's more than one beef carver here in Michigan. Sign of the beef carver is what the full name is. But yeah. So we're going? I want to go so bad. Like, as soon as one. my cousin Brandy read me that review, I was hungry for Sign of the Beef Carver. I'm like, I like meat. I like au jus. <laughs> I like all that stuff. So what's wow. yours about today? Mine's about a man that's serving life for a Kalamazoo County murder and then was just recently in May found guilty of a second murder of his ex-wife's husband. So he's already... Same day. Okay, wait. So he's in jail serving time. Mm-hmm. For one murder. For one murder. And the day that he gets sentenced for that murder, he gets another one? No, he got sentenced in July of oh, okay. last year. Okay. I think it was July of last year. July of 2016. 17. Okay. He was found guilty of a murder. Okay. And it was this year, May, he was sentenced, found guilty for the white, the killing of his ex-wife's husband. Dang. But the two murders yeah. that he's convicted of happened yeah. on the same day. Oh my gosh. So he Yeah, killed... he did it on the same day. Wow. So a little bit of a spree kill there? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What's his name? Did do you, you want me to like just tell you now? Tell me, please. But you didn't tell me what you were doing. Um, I'll do weird murder weapons. What you got? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not known for so my patience. <laughs> so Zachary Patton, Payton, I think it's Payton. Okay. P a t t e n. Zachary Payton. Patton. Yeah. Okay. Zachary. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I have a name in mind. I also can't pronounce. <laughs> was from Centerville, Michigan. He was serving a life sentence for the murder of Garcila Portillo during his crime spree in Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo County in July of 2017. Okay. On the same day he killed Garcila. Uh-huh. Garcila? Yeah, maybe. Okay. He killed Shane Richardson. Okay. So Shane Richardson was the husband of his ex-wife. Okay. And in May, this May, yeah. he was sentenced or he was convicted of Shane's murder. Murder. Wow. Which happened in Florence Township. Okay. I know did that make all that Yeah, well, I guess Do we do we make sense? Yeah, so he kills So okay, so he gets up one day. Yes. And he decides, hey, I'm gonna go on a crime spree. Right. And he As goes, we sometimes wake yeah. up that way. So I feel murderous sometimes when I wake up. Yeah. So <laughs> he drives over to this mobile home park. Okay. And he kills this person, Garcila. But why Garcia. did he... Garciela? Why did he kill her? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Said, robbed her. Robbed the home. Okay. But it didn't say. Why do you have to ask me these kind of questions? I don't fucking know why I do that. I have no idea. Okay. That's all I know. Then he was on the high from killing Garciela, and he's like, I'm going to go take care of Shane. I think that he went and he went over to Florence township to kill Shane um, because there was something He's fucking to do his with, ex-woman. Correct. And there was something to do with the custody of the children. Of and, course. Which he lost anyways because he got sentenced to life in prison. Well, that happens. That happens. Um, but, yeah, there was something to do with the children. Custody of the children. Okay. And then he killed that guy. Oh my gosh. 
you know, sometimes like you didn't think you're playing through. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're still not going to have custody of your children and now they're going to hate you. Yeah. Uh, so now did you get it? Because we went through and then yeah. he, and then it was like, hey, he got arrested and then now he spends his life in jail. Yeah. See, so plan didn't work. That's yeah. why I think your murder spree through. Yeah. Right? Is this going to help the situation? I don't think you, if you're going to do a uh, murder spree, I don't think you should kill somebody you know. And that you're having problems with. Right? Because we always know the immediate person is the most likely to yeah. have killed you. Alright, so I've got, some, I've got some weird murder weapons. Okay. I've got some weird murder weapons and one story in particular I found frustrating, but let me tell you. On May 22nd, 1991. That was my, a good year. Miami County, Ohio. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Edward Benson beat his wife to death. Okay. Edward, who was 63 years old at the time, beat his wife, Katie Benson, who was 60, in the head just before 5 a.m. Edward beat Katie with one banjo, and when it was destroyed, he grabbed a second banjo and continued to beat her. And I wrote, he played in a bluesgrass band, if you're wondering how he had multiple banjos. I was about to ask that. Who had that? Yeah, who has more than one banjo, even if you're, yeah. Yeah, even if you have one. Exactly. At 5.01, Edward Benson then calls 911 to receive help from the paramedics for his wife. He then called an attorney. Edward's attorney arrived on scene and advised him not to answer investigators' questions, and Edward's follows, Edward followed the advice. So Katie dies on the way to the hospital due to massive head trauma. And in November of 1991, Edward was found not competent to stand trial. This decision was based on reports from three psychologists and testimony from two of their seven adult children. So Edward and Katie had seven adult children. Two of them say that their dad's not competent to stand trial. They said he does understand the charges against him, but he's not capable of helping his attorneys in preparing a defense. They were supposing that he would become competent in the year. So like we think within a year he'll be ready to work with us on this case. So Edward was charged with aggravated murder. So here's the part that just irritated the shit out of me. I could not find if he was convicted. I spent 20 minutes on general searches. I checked Ohio's offender registry. I read documents from Ohio's Court of Appeals and the Ohio Supreme Court. I couldn't find anything later than November of 1991. But I could tell you that Edward had passed away by 2011 by reading his children's obituaries. So well, I was reading one of his kids' obituaries, and it said, preceded in death by father and mother Katie and Edward Benson. So I couldn't find what happened to his case. It almost killed me. I almost bought, like, a subscription to an Ohio-Miami County newspaper. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to get in there. Like, it was killing me. I wanted to know what happened, and I couldn't find it. But at that point, I had invested so much into the story, I wasn't letting go. Yeah. Like, we're all just going to have to not know. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right, so this next story was this woman named Anna Trillo, who was 45 years old at the time of the murder, and had met her boyfriend, Alf Stefan Anderson, after the d- dissolution of her second marriage. So she gets divorced. Mm-hmm. Their romance moved forward quickly, with Anna moving in with Stefan, who was 59 years old, after a few weeks in 2013. One of those girlfriends where you take her on a date and on the, for the second date she brings a U-Haul with her. You know what wow. I'm saying? So Anna is originally from Mexico and Stefan was from Sweden, but they lived together in Stefan's luxurious high-rise apartment in Houston, Texas. 
Anna was a former Coca-Cola executive, and Stefan was a professor at the University of Houston. Anna's testimony lasted like four to six hours with her attorney hurting her back on subject with hand gestures, like, you know, trying to get her to, like, shorten it up. Mm -hmm. According to her, this is what happened on June 9th, 2013, around 2 a.m. The couple had been drinking together, and an argument began on the taxi ride home. Once in the apartment, Stefan attacked her, slamming her repeatedly against the wall. When Anna fell back, she claims that Stefan went with her and they were rolling on the ground attacking each other. Mm-hmm. And while trying to defend herself, Anna pulled his hair and grabbed one of her stiletto-heeled shoes. She said she swung up at him repeatedly with the shoe to get him off of her, and she claims it was self-defense that he died. So, prosecutors claim that Anna was known for physically attacking other people while angry. They had several witnesses on the stand that gave testimony to a violent history. Stefan had a history of issues with alcohol, but he was known for being mild-mannered, right? He wasn't a crazy junk. He's more likely to go to sleep. They said that Anna had attacked Stefan and that he received his injuries to his face and head while he was laying on his back. So she was saying he was on top of her. Prosecutors say he was laying on his back. In court, prosecutors told the jury that Anna sat on his chest while striking him repeatedly. Due to the low position of bloodstains on the wall and walls and floor, Experts determined that there wasn't anyone between Stefan and the carpet, so he bled directly to the carpet. And Anna was the aggressor and the attacker. Stefan received 25 stab wounds above the neck, considered to be too many for self-defense. That's more, 25 wounds, you're not defending yourself, you're like attacking another person. After four hours of deliberation, oh, the heel of the shoe was five inches in length and made of steel. And the murder shoe itself sat on the table in front of the jury, and it was still covered with blood and hair from the attack. Like, you could see visible blood and hair on it. After four hours of deliberation, the jury came back with a guilty verdict. Anna was sentenced to life in prison. She will not be eligible for parole until 2043, in which she'll be 75 years old if she's still alive. Anna has been dubbed the stiletto killer by the press. Now, I had been talking to you about it, and you're like, of course I would grab my stiletto. Oh, yeah. But I don't have any high-heeled shoes. I'll, I'll have to slap him in the face with a pair of my Adidas or something. <laughs> I can't kill anybody with my shoe. I could probably leave a bruise. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> right? So you've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem. Or with Allie. And Jen. <laughs> oh. uh, contact with us at Michigan and Other Mayhem <laughs> to join the conversation. Oh, dot com. Listen to whatever. I, <laughs> I was so sick. You're just not and I just good. want to admit <laughs> that your whole entire thing you did. Yeah. I only got the part with oh. the stiletto. Like, I wasn't listening. Do you want to know what's something? <laughs> I forgot to tell you about the last death. <laughs> oh, ready? Okay, I'm going to listen to this. Sorry. I'm sorry. I fucked up. It's it's the fever. Okay. It's, okay. it's the fever. You'll be fine. You're going to work through this. More yeah. coffee. Okay, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> what's the next one? Okay, so in 1850 in Belgium. Accountant Countess de Bocame, I don't know how to pronounce that, but um, decided to kill the Countess's younger brother to get control of the family fortune. Mm-hmm. So with authorities noticed an abundance of tobacco leaves on the premises and burns around the victim's mouth. In response, the country's foremost chemist, Jean Servais Stas, created a method for detecting nicotine poisoning. I just really? hiccuped. <laughs> it's known as the Stas Auto Method. So... <clears throat> Nicotine poisoning's rare. Apparently, it tastes like shit. And ingesting a lethal dose would cause skin burns and vomiting. So you can't just drink nicotine and die. Oh, so you're not dying. You're just... Well, yeah, you would kill yourself. Okay. 
So the nicotine would need to be absorbed by your body without burning your skin, probably by injection. So in 1994, Linda Curry died of a nicotine overdose in Orange County, California. She was a non-smoker. Okay. Linda met Paul Curry in 1989 while they both worked at a nuclear plant. They married in 1992 when Paul was 35 and Linda was 48. Paul was described as both brilliant and a genius by his co-workers. I'm like, isn't brilliant genius? Aren't you? Isn't that the same thing? You could just be like, he's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. When they married, Linda had already been suffering from physical ailments and general poor health during the last few years. Paul was on the police's radar due to one of Linda's hospitalizations in 1993. While she was an inpatient at the hospital, her IV was spiked with lidocaine leading authorities to believe that her IV, IV bag had been tampered with. I'm like, right hmm. there, wouldn't you immediately suspect the husband? Haven't we done this enough? Yeah. Yeah. So on June 9th, 1994, Linda received a fatal dose of nicotine. Now, I think that at the time, Paul, who is convicted later of giving it to her, mm-hmm. I think he didn't realize that you can test for nicotine, that in the 1800s somebody tried this. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I didn't know you could. Yeah, well, I didn't know either. Paul later, oh, Paul, I meant police. Police later determined she had been slowly weakened over time by being poisoned by Paul. He was already poisoning her. And that's why she'd been sick on and off. And at one point during the relationship, they broke up and her health improved. Which tells me right there, like, girl, get away. Why are we so dumb? Yeah, didn't she realize that? (laughs) Yeah, not saying I've been in bad relationships, so I understand. But we just just dumb sometimes. Oh, Lord. Due to timelines and alibis, detectives didn't have enough evidence on Paul to charge him with the crime. Paul told reporters that he wasn't even convinced that Linda had died from nicotine poisoning. He thought, you know. Then he pointed out that Linda had multiple health issues and that she had other previous incorrect diagnoses. So he's like, I don't even think she died of nicotine. There's been other wrong diagnoses. She's been sick for a long time. Well, because he's been poisoning her, that's why she's been sick. Yeah. The day after Linda's death, Paul did exhibit suspicious behaviors such as calling life insurance companies uh, the yeah. next day. Hello. Yeah, to collect around $550,000. Paul is the one who insisted that the couple get life insurance plans in the first place. Paul claimed that if, that if there was nicotine in Linda's system, it was because she probably had a holistic nicotine enema to help with her health. I immediately looked it up. It is real. <laughs> <laughs> However, no one could find records of her obtaining this procedure. So it is a real procedure, but nobody has any records of Linda getting it. Okay. In 2007, California authorities began looking into the case again. By 2010, Paul Curry was arrested 16 years after Linda's death. Advancements in science had allowed authorities to shorten the timeline for Linda's demise. It was now determined that Linda was given a high dose of sedative about 20 to 30 minutes before a syringe was placed behind her ear injecting her with a fatal dose of nicotine. Paul Curry was found guilty by jury trial, and he received a sentence of life in prison. Wow. Yeah, so not as smart as he thought he was, Paul. I had this conversation a few weeks back. Yeah. With one of my friends about life insurance and how he should have life insurance. Yeah. I'm like sitting there thinking like, God, I hope nothing happens to him. I know. Somebody I talked to. Right? You're like, Jen said I should have life insurance. And then suddenly, boom, suspicious death, Jen. I know, right? I was just trying to help him out. Right? All right. For real, this time you've been listening to Michigan Another Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. 
Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.